the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. KSLR is proud to feature our Church of the Week. Our desire is that you will get to know the pastors and churches in our community and find a church you and your family can call home. Here's the host of our Church of the Week program, Director of Ministry Development, Mark Longoria. Hello and thank you so much for joining us. My name is Mark Longoria. I am the... uh, Ministry Director here at AM630 KSLR. You're listening to The Word in South Texas, and this program actually is called Church of the Week, where I have the opportunity and the honor to introduce you, our listening audience, in and around San Antonio to pastors that are working in this field here in San Antonio. We together make up the Church of San Antonio, and we're so grateful that you're listening to us uh, day after day as we broadcast the gospel of Jesus Christ 24 hours a day, not only across San Antonio, but now through our applications and through the internet, we're able to go worldwide. So thank you for listening to the word. And um, wherever it is you are, especially if you live here in the San Antonio area, we want to make sure that you are also connected to the local body, to the local community church. We have found out throughout the years that there are several people that um, that have a relationship with Christ, but aren't necessarily a part of a local community church. And so uh, we want to introduce you to some great churches in and around San Antonio. And here with us today is Pastor Jose Esparza. He's a pastor of Made Through Fire Ministries in San Antonio. Pastor, welcome to the studio. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. Good to have you. Um, we want to just uh, find out a little bit more about you, if you can give us some background information. Are you a local Texan? Are you a family man? Uh, What's your story? Well, family man. I've been married for more than 30-some years. We leave it as that. Yeah. <laughs> <Very> <laughs> um, have one girl. You know, the Lord blessed us with one girl. Her name is Melody, and Melody is the, the praise and worship leader of our congregation. So, right. so she's part of the ministry, going to Bible school too. And my wife and I graduated from the same Bible school, and uh, uh, the Lord called us into the ministry. And as uh, the name will say, you know, Mather Five Ministries was was made out of an accident, and and that happened in 1984, December 17 of 1984. Uh, and uh, the rest is history. That's wow. what the name came about. Now, are you are you from San Antonio? I'm not originally from San Antonio. I was born in the central part of Mexico. Okay, and 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 the beautiful rocks of the state of Zacatecas, because there's nothing but rocks over oh, yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> rocks grow everywhere. Rocks and nopales, you know, in Zacatecas. So at a very young age, uh, I I moved to East LA, and uh, I grew up in East LA. And then uh, uh, in the early 80s, uh, I moved to San Antonio, very recently married, uh, and my wife and I moved to San Antonio, and uh, we've been here ever since. I, I consider myself a San Antonian. Okay. Yeah. Well, I drink too much water of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what brought, you, what brought you here from L.A.? At what point did you decide, you know what, I'm going to go to San Antonio? That's exactly what I said. Exactly the same words. I, I got out one day, and I told my wife, I'm going to San Antonio. And she goes, you are crazy. I don't think we're moving to San Antonio. Because a few years back, she was here in San Antonio, and she didn't like the weather. Oh. Too much humidity and, you know, that kind of stuff. Too cold in the winter. Mm. And uh, But I don't know. It's just something. I got out one day, and I bought two tickets, and I moved to San Antonio wow. on August of 81. Hmm. 
That's when I moved to San Antonio. And did you already me. know that you were coming here to plant a church, to start a church? No, sir. Why, no, were, sir. why, why in your mind were you coming to San Antonio? Uh, first of all, I don't believe in coincidence, but mm-hmm. I do believe in the incidents, this, which is God in the middle of yeah. the life of somebody. Uh, right around the month of April, uh, I would say March, somewhere around there, um, a family member of my wife invited us to an evangelical church uh, in, in West L.A., uh, we went to church over there, and I accepted the Lord. Mm. I was only 20 years old. My wife was 19, barely married. I married in January. I accepted the Lord somewhere in February or March, somewhere around there. And then we moved in August of the same year to San Antonio, mm. not knowing anybody. I had a, mem- a, a, a member of, of her family here kind of you know, give us a little hand just to move into here and get established a little bit. But then I moved to San Antonio not knowing anything at younger age. Then in 82, our daughter was born. And when she was born, uh, in a very within two months, uh, she contracted meningitis. Mm. Uh, the doctors declared that she, she was going to be dead or, or be in a vegetable. The, the Lord made a miracle. My wife was praying, and, and we didn't know much about the Lord because we just moved to from 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 LA to San Antonio, but in that process, God healed our daughter. She's completely fine. Mm. But not only that, at that point, He introduced us to a church. Uh, one of the local pastors here, Pastor Reverend David Flores, down in Southside San Antonio, mm. we started attending church in those days. We really went back to church around the year eighty three. We established ourselves, began to give fruits in, in, into the kingdom of the Lord, kingdom of God, etc. And and right at the moment, when in, the, in my best days of my first love of the Lord, and, and we were faithful to the church for 19 years before we were called to the ministry. Wow. Faithful to the pastor. We, we, we never went around for church. Nothing, zero. We were mm-hmm. faithful, working, doing the best we can, you know, mm-hmm. ushers and evangelistic so far and so on but right at the point when my daughter was sick that's when we knew the pastor because our prayer was we need to find a church that can give us the true gospel yeah and we thank god because we find a man of god and a woman of god sister angelita pastor david florida was still very close to our hearts mm-hmm. because that's my spiritual father yeah he grew us and, and groomed us and, and and pushed us into into the things of the lord and then in 84 is when the accident happened. And in fact, uh, when the accident happened, they told pastor, said, you know, the guy's going to die in five days. They told my wife, you have insurance? No. Do you have a policy of? No, nothing. I mean, we're ignorant uh, to a certain point in those things. Let's uh, so explain what, what, what happened with the accident. Well, the accident is uh, I, was, I was burning a pile of lumber. Mm. Uh, back on uh, in, in I-35 in the corner of Judson Road in 35. I mean, people mm-hmm. are familiar with a part of San Antonio. Back in those days, it was nothing but deer and, and a lot of oak uh, around the, the highway back in those days. And I was part of the construction. I was working for the state of Texas combined with the company that I was uh, uh, building the road. Mm. And I was in charge of all the signs and detours and stuff like that. So at the end of the construction, that we were, I was burning. I was in charge of cleaning up the yard and all that kind of stuff. the The order was given to me that by that particular week, I was supposed to be laid off by Friday. 
So that Monday was be the beginning of my last week of work. Mm-hmm. The following week, I was supposed to be showing up for my recruiting center with the Marines. Mm-hmm. And the accident happened on Monday. Supposed to be laid off on Friday. Supposed to show up to my recruiting officer for the Marines. Yeah. And the accident happened on Monday. The Monday, the week of your last week oh, exactly. at work. Exactly. Yes, yes, yes. The week before you were supposed to show up exactly. to the recruiter. Exactly. And okay. what happened is it was it was a miserable cold day. It was the, the year when a, a big storm hit San Antonio and never had a, a big snowstorm ever since. Well, what I did is that I I poured gas into the pile of lumber. It was not trash. It was lumber. Mm. So lumber ha- creates a lot of vacuum in between. Oh. And because my supervisor got after me because nothing was done, he says, you need to burn that thing. Do something. You know. So the mistake that I made is that I climbed to the top of this big pile of lumber. I pour five gallons of gasoline and that the electricity that you build when you have rubber boots and nothing is being discharged mm-hmm. to the ground and you accumulate that static in, in, yeah. within you. When 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 I was gonna throw the gallon of, of the container towards the bottom to a friend of mine that was waiting for me, I I touched my pants right above my knee level. Yeah. Right at that point I'm looking down and I can see like a spark plug came oh, out of my wow. uh, came out of out of me towards the little static discharge exactly at that point i i'm looking down and i see like a lightning went down to the ground mm. but the same lightning that went straight down to the ground it came back up but when it came back up all the gasoline that it was dripping in the in the wood came straight up on me and got me soaking wet with gasoline wow. and let me up i mean life on top of that thing Mm. I blow up. I came back again on top of the fire. And the most critical part of this is that I eat the gasoline. Mm. And I burn half of my lungs. And that was the thing that it was killing me. The doctor said, this guy would die in five days. And that is exactly what happened. Mm. Uh, I have that experience to go to the other side and come back to tell the story about it. You were it. declared dead. I was five declared days dead. Later. Five days later. And what happened there? <laughs> what happened there? Well, sounds like a book. It, it, in fact, I'm, I'm I got two writers working in my office right now, and and I've been waiting for all this time. And I'm I'm sorry, brother, if I get a little yeah, no. emotional here because it it's uh, it's it, it touches yeah. it's very hard on me. Yeah. I hardly ever talk about the testimony, not that I don't want to, but I got I got to go through all the things that I went through, the, yeah. my my emotion, my physical, like relieving, the, it. Uh, relieving it. So, But anyway, uh, what happened in there, I had a vision. For five days, no food, no water. And no food, no water, the, the not eating and not having any water was worse than my pain and my burns. Mm. And I relate that to the story of Lazarus and the rich man. The rich man said, you know what, give me some water. I, he didn't care what he... The, the state of what he was in didn't matter. What matters is that he didn't have no water. Mm. So I went through that stage. And let me tell you, the, the thirst that I was having at the moment was more intense than the pain that I was on the outside. Wow. That created a vision of water. And a glass of water just popped out of the, the ceiling of that room. I was crucified. I was tied up with... I was just literally crucified in the bed. And when that glass of water 
came straight down to the level of my feet, enough or high enough that I can reach to it, I began to make an impulse to get up from the bed mm. to get the water because I was thirsty. Mm. I needed some water. Between one and two and three attempts for me to get up and get the glass of water. But the interesting thing of this, I still very vivid, the water was alive. Hmm. The water had currents within the glass. Living water. Living water. Yeah. And move up, it came back down again, and moved to the side. I mean, let me tell wow. you, that water was crazy. Supernatural. Me. Oh, yes, I'm su- supernatural. When I was looking at the water, I make the impulse to get up, and I got up. But something else got up, and something else stays down. Mm. And when I make two steps to get the glass of water, the glass of water disappeared in front of me. When that glass of water disappeared in front of me, I'm looking back, and I see something that it looks just like me, has the same features as me, and I began to ask myself, I said, who is that guy that is in bed that is burned pretty bad? Wow. Because me is here. Mm-hmm. That dude is there. Mm. Even though it looks like me, but when I was walking, I'll tell you nothing. I didn't feel no pain. I was out of pain. I was out of thirst. Nothing. It, it was completely another dimension. My very first thought, I mean, you can think, you can smell, you can do. I mean, if if something is about that, and this is very scriptural. I'm not making this up. This is in the scripture. Once the people leave this world, they think they're going to a deep sleep. Excuse my text, Max. Baloney. Mm-hmm. You are as real as you and I be in front of these microphones. Yeah. As real. The very first thing that I did, it came to my mind. I said, I got to get help because this guy is shaking. My, I see my body going through. Uh, my arms were moving rapidly. My, my mm. feet was just getting up all of a sudden. My whole body just shake. My head would do all kinds of things. I was watching all that mm. in front of me. I make an impulse to go out of the room. And what biggest surprise that I got is when I tried to get the door nub, my fingers went through the metal. Mm. And when I I tried it once, I tried it twice, and it didn't work out. When I do the two or three times, then I said, well, forget the door. Then I go right through the wall. And I did. I went right through the wall. Wow. And when I went down to the wall, I'm I'm going down the hall to ask a nurse that that dude needs some help. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine if that nurse would hear me screaming and yelling that somebody, <laughs> let me tell you <laughs> She probably be yeah, running out of the hospital. Yep, oh, like, she just saw a ghost. I know, like yeah. I saw a ghost. But right at the point, the 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 the, the Lord gave me that experience mm. because when that took place, it was right around midnight at the change of the shift towards the night. The people that take care of the entire night. Mm-hmm. When that happened, when I came back, this is the uh, this is another dimension that we humans don't know how to act or react when you move into that dimension. That dimension, as soon as I was, as soon as I put a thought in my mind, I need to be in the parking lot, boom, immediately I was in the parking lot. Wow. I don't need to walk. I don't need to run. I don't need to do anything. Just think it. Just think it. I said, I need to go where the helicopter, the helicopter path is at Fort Sam Houston. Boom, immediately I was in the middle of the helicopter path. 
Mm. I said, I need to go back to my room. Uh, I need to go back to the nurse. Immediately, I was back in wow. front of the nurse. And that is, that's another dimension. Yeah, That's absolutely. a spiritual dimension. Right at the point, and many, many other things, that time is crucial to, to explain everything, but when I got back, I remember exactly, it was past midnight, somewhere around close one o'clock in the morning. When I got back to the hospital and began to scream and yell to the nurse, below the, the little light that I was behind, she was working on a big paperwork or whatever she was doing. She turned around when I was there and she sees the little light blinking and underneath was my last name. But at that time, it was already six o'clock in the morning. Hmm. And the medical proof of that is the way that my lungs collapse. When someone is not being properly ventilated, they put a tube on it. When somebody dies quickly, they put a, a tube on it so all the oxygen can go in their own well of getting mm-hmm. out of your body. But when nothing is done, then your lungs begin to collapse, but they been cre- be begin to create a big old chunk of foam mm. because of the, the mucus and all that kind of lung. Well, when... When I see the doctors and she push a button on emergency and the doctors are running down the hall, going directly to the emergency, I go back running in front of them and I got back into my room the same way I went out through the wall. Mm. Right when I'm standing, I said, these guys are going to seat me here. So I hide behind the door accordingly. And when I'm looking at my body, my body has a humongous huge amount of foam in my nose and my mouth. And that was because of the period of time that my lungs were collapsing slowly. Wow. And that's the medical proof of the time that I was dead. Mm-hmm. Right at the point, the doctors began to resuscitate me. Nothing worked. They hit my chest. They put that thing. And they, you're seeing all this. I'm right behind the door. Mm. I'm watching Everything they're doing to my body in front of me, hmm. that they're trying to resuscitate me. They put a tube in my mouth. They they hit my chest with the fist. They they, they went through one, two, three, clear out, and all the electrical shocks and so far and so on. But then here is the interesting point. Remember, it was a military hospital, and at at that point the captain and the sergeant began to argue. And not necessarily, it was more than an argument. It was more like a fight. Right at the point, the sergeant began to argue with the captain because the sergeant declared me dead and he covered me mm. with a blanket up to my neck. And he put his hands in front of his chest and he says, Captain, the man is gone. Leave him alone. The captain began to argue with the sergeant because he wanted to resuscitate me. Mm. He was very much passionate about getting this man back to life. At the point, the rest of the nurses woke out, and in the room was only the sergeant and the captain. I got to the point where they grabbed themselves from the shirts, and they began to hit each other with the back against the wall, mm-hmm. want to do something, and they don't want to stop from doing anything else. Mm-hmm. Well, there is a military protocol and, and there is a medical protocol when a doctor is, is emotionally not capable of continuing with something of that nature. 
that they need to be dismissed. Mm-hmm. And they need to be dismissed for their own protection, the protection of the medicine, the doctor, you know, hey, you had a breakdown, it's okay, we're all humans. Yeah. You come back to your position later on, but this is what happened. Right at that point, brother, right at that point, when they're arguing, then the surgeon begins to dismiss the captain. And they give you a protocol, military protocol, the medical protocol. So the surgeon dismisses the captain. Mm-hmm. And when the captain understood what the soldier or the surgeon was trying to do, he, they just move apart and they just met in a, a military salute. And, and the captain said, I accept it and I release all the authority to you at this moment. And, and so the other guy says, yeah, I received the authority, this, da, 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 da. And then he covers me. Mm. Okay. But look what happened. At the point when the doctor or the captain was dismissed from as a doctor and dismissed as a captain, I mean, God is so wise, man. He's smart. He knows what he was doing. Yeah. He was trying to protect him. He ended up for that moment as a civilian. As a civilian, he understood what he could do and cannot do. Mm-hmm. He turned around my bed, and when he turned around my bed, he went over there and picked up those little vibrators, or I don't know how they mm-hmm. call it, those, what you, you know, give him shocks to the patient. Yeah. He went up there and he pointed into the monitor. Well, brother, this is, this is very powerful mm-hmm. because when that man, Put those little things towards the monitor. He began to scream from the bottom of his lungs. And he said these words. I'm still very vivid. I get tremble. I get, it's very emotional when I, I remember these words again. He says, Father, in the name of Jesus, hmm. you had promised me that nobody will die in my hands. Wow. So now I'm asking you. And the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring this man back to life. And then he paused for a moment and he says, don't you know that he's got a young wife? Don't you know that he's got a young girl? Because I had a picture of my wife and my kid Mm. in my room. And he says, okay, if you don't think that's enough, I want you to get this man up and use him for the honor and glory of your name. Wow. So if I go to heaven, I'm going to say, who gave you permission to send me in that direction? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Who told you it was okay? Wow. It's a divine appointment. Don't matter where you are and don't matter what you go through. Oof. Right there and there, I begin to see miracle after miracle. Miracle after miracle. This right hand supposed to be amputated. It got healed in four hours. Mm. My lungs got healed in 30 minutes. Wow. Places where they could not do skin graft, it was healing within an hour. Mm. I was supposed to be in intensive care for at least 30 days. It was five days. From 6 o'clock in the morning to 9 a.m. in the morning, I had 12 doctors sitting down by my bed trying to figure it out what went wrong with me. Wow. Because I was I, I was swallowed so bad that I couldn't even see people. My eyes were like two basketball balls in there, two big old tennis balls in there. Mm. I mean, it was just terrible. Well, the all the swelling in my body went down within thirty minutes. Wow! And you just came back to life. And just came back, back to life. life. Wow! 
What an amazing story. I, it, I mean, I felt I've, right at the moment when that man of God said that prayer, I felt that somebody came right behind me and put me and stood at the same position where I got up. Hmm. And somebody pushed me down back into my body and I woke up. This is the strange part. Right when I was doing, I was doing good. The surgeon asked for help to the captain because both of them were still there. Man, you got to help me because all of a sudden my, my body started reacting to something. And he said, you need to help me. I said, you're your own man. I'm going to help you. He was dismissed. Wow. So right at the point, God made that miracle, brought me back to life. But this is the interesting part. When, when, when I was there, I, I, I began, I, I got out from bed. They, I started asking me questions. The surgeon or, or the doctor in, in line in there was asking me all kinds of questions. What's your name? Blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. I look up to him. I, I raised myself a little bit because I pulled those tubes out of my mouth. I don't, mm-hmm. I, just like that. I mean, it was a mess. They, they, they don't know how to handle everything. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I woke up to him. I, I looked up to him and I, I said, like, won't you just shut up? I'm tired of your questions. I got mad. Mm. And he looked back and he goes, he's okay. He's good to go. There's nothing wrong with him. <laughs> a pastor, wow, time has gone so fast. and it, we, it was an amazing story, and I appreciate you sharing that with us. And it, Wow, it's something I've, I'll always remember and something that uh, I've never heard anything like that before. Uh, but we appreciate you. We appreciate your story, uh, your own life experience, your testimony. And now you're using it for the glory of God. For the glory of the Lord. You know? So um, we appreciate your time. Thank you for being Thank here you. with us today. I want to encourage those that have been listening to this program to um, go out there and meet Pastor Jose Esparza. He's at Made Through Fire Ministries, located at 2355 Delgado here in San Antonio. Uh, if you'd like more information, you can call 210-501-0198 or go online to mtfministries.org. Wednesdays at 730, Sundays at 1030 a.m. are the service times. Again, online, mtfministries.org. Thank you so much for listening to The Word in South Texas. AM 630 KSLR. Thank you for joining us today as we featured the AM 630 KSLR Church of the Week. We hope that during this past half hour, you got a chance to know the pastor and learn something about their church. We encourage you to get involved in your local community church. If you'd like to nominate your pastor to be featured on an upcoming Church of the Week program, submit your nominations at kslr.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.